Hey listener, this podcast is called Trigger Warning Romance for a reason. It is intended for an 18 plus audience due to the adult context and triggers that may be discussed in each episode. Please check the show notes for a full list of triggers and proceed with caution. You have been properly warned. It's time to count off the triggers. Hello, and welcome to Trigger Warning Romance, everybody. I'm Nat. I'm Tori. And today, we are going down the deep, deep rabbit hole of Descent, a dark billionaire romance by Sam Mariano. What a rabbit hole it was. Both of us have read this book before. This is actually a book that we had chosen for the podcast before the podcast was a thing. We picked this right after it came out. Yeah. Just after it was released, we were both just dove on it. Yeah. I forgot how good this book was. I forgot how funny Cal was. Yes. I needed this book in my life right now. It just, uh, I was in a little bit of a slump and it, I like picked it up and the minute I picked it up, I was like, this is exactly what I wanted. This is exactly what I wanted. Um, so much non-con. There, this is something that you would never, ever think you would hear me say. There was almost too much non-con for me. Oh no, this is perfect. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen them happily together for a little while longer than having all of the struggle through three quarters of the book. I loved the struggle. I love that she fought him every step of the way. I love that she thought she outmaneuvered him. Can we just say he was probably one of the smartest and most manipulative heroes I've ever read about. Amen. Right. And to be so manipulative and to be so controlling, he had a surprisingly tender and vulnerable side that he showed. Yeah. That dichotomy was really well done. I have to say, just reading, like, just the way he interpreted things and the way he, his brain worked, I I mean, I don't know if this is the way she meant for him to be written, but I thought that she, he had to have been on the spectrum at least a little bit, right? I thought so, too. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was, like, autism or, like, what, but somewhere on the spectrum, like, a highly intelligent like driven emotionless person like one that does not care about anything almost to like an extent right he was very apathetic towards many things he didn't care about people's opinions of him um he didn't really have friends right he didn't care about anything besides his what he wanted and Mm -hmm. what affected him directly yeah if it didn't affect him it didn't matter yeah i loved him She was, this heroine was definitely a little annoying to me. She is one of my least favorite heroines that I have read to date. Yeah, she just, the absolute epitome of too stupid to live. Yeah. 
I have noticed that that is a theme with this particular author. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you read the Morelli series. I've read some of it. I didn't read the whole thing. I couldn't get through the whole thing. But Mia was still just too stupid to live, even after three books. <laughs> um, and Hallie reminded me a lot of Mia. Yeah, I mean, this just might be the kind of style that she likes writing. You know, everybody has their particular style. And, and she she goes back to, I guess, like the, I want to say like the 80s and 90s, like heroines, right? She was the, the typical goody two-shoes yeah well very proper kind and i think the reason she came off as too stupid to live is because she and she said this herself she was well aware of the fact that she was too stupid to live she said that she didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings and she remember she kept thanking him i know i noticed that i mean he kidnapped the cat and sent her a picture okay and let me just tell you kidnapping the cat was a stroke of pure genius. Brilliant. But I want you to know that if somebody stole my cat, thinking that would be a way to blackmail me or to coerce me, I would go, I would get my cat, and I would stab the motherfucker before I took my cat home. Um, So it is probably a good thing that this was not my reality. (laughs) Yes. But it was brilliant. I'm t- I loved this book. So I don't want anybody thinking that, you know, me saying that the hair was too stupid to live, like took anything away from the book. Um, again, I think she was written this way on purpose um, because she kept bringing up the fact that she knew that she should not have been behaving this way and she should not have been thinking this way. Let's just start with that first scene where she she thanks the oh, my God, what's his name? The. The bouncer at the bar, at the first bar that they were at. Yes. And he he won't let her in and she like says thank you to him. <laughs> and Cal says, do you usually thank people who tell you no? And she says, I'm just being polite. And he's like, mm. he makes note of that. Well, what I, I don't remember the order of events, but he gives her a bottle of water. And he opens the bottle to prove that it wasn't drugged. And she thanks him for that basic kindness. This was after he had already drugged her. And this was after he had already drugged her. Yes. And all I could do was shake my head and laugh. I loved this fucking book. It was so hot. The problem I have is I have 8,000 notes on this book because I loved every single second of it. And the the scene in the in the dungeon was hot. Don't get me wrong, but that wasn't my favorite. The temple scene, hands oh, down, won it. Sh- Remember when someone asked us, "What is your favorite sex scene?" How did we not think of this one? I don't know. I thought about that as I was reading it. I'm like, where was this when that question was asked? Why did we not? Because we had read it at the point, and we just forgot. Well, we read so much I know that it's hard to keep things straight. I'm going to have to start keeping a list of like favorite scenes. Yeah. So that I can talk about them in order or not necessarily in order, but like I have a book boyfriend list. Mm-hmm. So why don't I have a favorite sex scene list? I don't know, but this is definitely number one. 
it is right up there. Right. It's I can't so think bad. of another one that I liked better out, off the top of my head. No. First of all, it was so imaginative. Secondly, I need to ask Sam how much detail she like does she did she go to the Met and just like hang out and like try and find every crevice of this temple? The descriptions. I I haven't been to the Met. Okay, I have. So I haven't seen the exhibit. I have. But the descriptions were clear enough that I could see it in my mind. I have. However, it was a long time ago. And like you said, like I could picture everything now. And I even went and I looked at the website to like give me a better understanding of what was happening. And I was like, holy crap. Like the, again, like the manipulation level was intense because he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew her at that point and that she was a goody two shoes and she wouldn't want to get caught. So she would behave and let him rape her in that temple rather than scream for help. With the guard just through the wall. Yeah. If she had made any noise, any noise at all, that guard would have been there. Yes. And I understand, but you're like, girl, just ask, like, ask for some help. Like, I'm sure the guard will help you. Well, I don't know. Maybe not because he probably would be paid off. But like, oh, yeah, that, that scene was so if you guys have not read this book, first of all, what are you waiting for? But secondly, just go read that scene. I, I can tell you when it starts. Give me a second. It is somewhere around page 213. And she is talking about how she can't, he can't touch the exhibit. Yeah. So he pushes her naked breasts against it to leave breast marks. Yes. <laughs> I was like, well, that backfired. Yeah. It was so hot. But again, with the temple scene, you still have the too stupid to live. She says something else whispers that perhaps I should be wary of his interest to get me alone. But that's ridiculous. We aren't in the dungeon of some New York sex club. We're at the Temple of Dender and the Metropolitan Museum of Art, for God's sake. It's not like he can pounce on me here. Mm. Hello, has she met this man? Yeah, she says that many times. She's like, is not going to be able to do this here or he's not going to say that or like he doesn't want to get me pregnant. Like he... the la the refusal to use condoms. Yes. And she doesn't notice. I mean, it, she doesn't bring it up that he's not using condoms. It's like it just yeah. is it, not. She only br brings it up like once and then lets it go. And you would think after the very first time where this man legitimately raped you in some somewhere you will go get plan b immediately because and then go get checked out because you don't know anything about him he clearly just raped you so like how many other people has he done this to although he she asked uh, i don't know if that point she had asked but i think he said she was his first one he had done cnc before he had done cnc before but he hadn't done the actual total power exchange that he's wanting with her yeah, that was the other fun thing. He they were <laughs> they were she was asking me if he was into BDSM. He kept saying she he he kept saying no, and she, and then she was like, "What do you mean? What what what's with that machine in the corner?" Oh my god, the fucking machine behind door number one. We have. <laughs> oh my god, that was so funny. <laughs> That's door number one. She's like, "What's 
what's up? And he's like, what? what's my other option? And he was like, me. And she's like, I choose you. Like, I'm not getting on that crazy machine. But she only got the option of having him spank her because she stopped being a brat. Mm. Yeah. His definition of a brat. Yeah. And he, I love that he said, I'm not into BDSM because they're... Their whole motto is safe, sane, and consensual. Does that sound like something I would do? (laughs) Well, I will say there is another take on BDSM that is not SSC. Some people prefer to use RAC, which is risk-aware consensual kink. Yes, I think Rara from Pink Kink, give them a shout out, was saying that that's what most people use these days. That's what I, that's, that's been my, um, my go-to, my motto, I guess, with as much as as anything is. Yes, but again, that doesn't apply to Cal. No, nothing applies <laughs> to Cal. Because you still use safe words. <laughs> he doesn't have that in his vocabulary. Well, I have played without safe words before, but that was a relationship that I had been in for almost 10 years. So by that point, I guess it wasn't really necessary. Yeah, and you knew you knew each other well enough. But we... We're in a total power exchange, a TPE relationship. Okay. And so my opportunities to use a safe word were very limited, even in the beginning. Mm. But we had discussed it and we, we both will, we both went into it knowing. Yeah. He didn't, I'm assuming he didn't blackmail you into a relationship. No. (laughs) Um, And he certainly did not use pictures of my best friend fucking around on her husband because what kind of blackmail is that that's honestly the worst back blackmail in the world like why would i care that's not my problem that's her problem that is totally a her problem but no she doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings again i think it, the author did this on purpose she made hallie a goody two shoes to the max on purpose and in order for her to be a goody two shoes to the max on purpose she couldn't have anything on her to be blackmailed well i think that the purpose behind her being such a mary sue is that it is a perfect foil for cal and his i don't even know what word to use um (laughs) i mean because cal was just something else yeah i mean he, and I loved him for it. I loved, I loved him. He's definitely one of my favorite heroes, hands down. I will say that I, I have very mixed feelings about the end with Cal because Cal never, there's never really a redemption point. He doesn't really ever compromise with her. Mm-mm. There is never any give or take. And I think that that stunted his growth as a character, but that may go back to him possibly being on the spectrum, because if that were the case, growth would be limited. Yeah, I I think he had he let's just say for the purpose of the podcast, he is on the spectrum because there's just too many like not red flags, but like uh, markers. Yeah, exactly. To to point to that. He just didn't care. However, I'm going to insert for for posterity's sake, neither Nat nor I are doctors or mental health professionals, and we cannot make a diagnosis. No. So this is just our supposition based on what we know. Precisely. And we don't know Sam and we've never talked to her. So and we certainly didn't write the book. So 
I don't know. This is just our guess. This is a podcast on our opinions, okay? <laughs> you guys should know that at this point. One of my favorite things he's ever said to her was after she got pregnant and he was trying to make her feel better. <laughs> he said he said something like, he's like, would you like some water or soup or the heads of your enemies? <laughs> and can I just say that I love when a hero offers to bring the heroine the heads of her enemies. Well, he did more than offer to bring her the head because he got rid of her enemy. Yes, he did it. I mean, he obliterated completely off the face of the earth. I don't think there was even anything left for a grave. Yeah, I love that. Can I say that this was the one? Cal actually reminds me a lot in certain ways of Mr. Savage. Because, and he's going to earn some points here, because Mr. Savage has certainly offered to bring me the heads of my enemies before. And he's also, there was a, a line that Cal said when they were in, uh, we're bouncing all over the place, but welcome to Trigger Warning Romance. When they were at the Broadway play in the box, mm -hmm. and he said he liked the boxes because he, it's page 332. This is nice, I say, as I smooth down the back of my skirt and sit down. I've never been in a box before. I don't enjoy people. This is one way to mostly avoid them. I smile at his logic. You are a ray of sunshine. You know that? <laughs> Can I tell you that my favorite line in the book was at the very, very beginning when she is it's still in chapter one. And she says, you called me on the phone. Yes. Who does that but psychopaths? <laughs> yes. And out of all of the brilliant lines and out of all of the teasers that I can take away, that is my hands down favorite. It doesn't have, it doesn't say anything at all about the book, but it is so gosh darn true. Yes. And also like girl, I, she didn't know what she was getting into at that point, but he is the definition of psychopath. <laughs> what did you think about that forced pregnancy? I mean, I fucking loved it. He hacked into her phone, into her phone, into her calendar, so he could get an idea of when she ovulates. So he could fuck her extra those days. Yeah, yeah. Mm hmm. Loved it. Loved every second of it. And also that obligatory, like push the cum back inside scene. Mm hmm. I will say that I. I have mixed feelings about the forced pregnancy too, and not as a concept, because as a concept, I've always loved it. Okay. But I really wanted to see Hallie grow a little bit into a more consensual relationship with him and him forcing the pregnancy on her, which therefore forced the marriage on her, never gave her the ability to consent. This was a true non-con book though that's true but i guess i just wasn't feeling the non-con when i reread it i finished what i was reading this evening and so i've already told you my brain's a little frazzled i was it was just very mixed for me this time which is unusual because my opinions usually are pretty definite <laughs> yeah see i loved this probably more this time around than the first time even i loved every second of it when he was raving about how she needed to work less and he would pay her a thousand a hundred thousand dollars a year for every year that she stayed with him first of all with the inflation i'm gonna need him to double that for me yeah um maybe back then i don't remember when this but like not i'm not saying a hundred thousand dollars a year is not enough but 
to put up with Cal, it might be. Yeah, like I need you to I need at least double it. I need at least two hundred thousand dollars. Plus that, you know, the credit card is nice, <laughs> but um, I'm going to need him to double it. But it was just, oh, God, I loved it. I was like, sign me up, Mr. Savage. Like, why are you not paying me any sort of money to be with you? Where he was talking about the drugging her. And he says, you've got it all wrong, sweetheart. It's the slimy men who pretend to be nice guys. You have to worry about slipping something in your drink. I'm not a nice guy, but I've been honest with you from the start. I also have considerably, considerably more resources than a fucking frat boy. If I wanted you passed out in my bed, I'd hire men to stick you with a syringe and carefully transport you there while you were knocked out. I'd have a nice bath drawn for you when you wake up. A short, sexy little scrap of fabric to cover that beautiful body in. And once you were fully awake and able to participate, that's when I would fuck you. And my note was, sign me up. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we could probably arrange that. Mr. Klein probably would oblige probably he usually gives into my my weirder kinks at least once we have we'll try anything once policy there you go i don't know about the syringe but like you know take a couple of shots or something (laughs) and i was like yeah that would work that doesn't do it for me but that's fine i've never tried it i've never tried it so it's something that is on my list of if i had the opportunity i I can see the appeal, but I also don't understand it because it's like you're passed out. So how much are you like? It's like sleeping. Although, you know what? I really like sleep. So sign me up. <laughs> if you get all of the benefits of sex with the orgasm and none of the work. Yes. But if I if I'm asleep, like if you, I'm not even asleep, right, because I'm into somnophilia. But like if you're passed out cold, like you have an orgasm possibly. But like, do you feel it because you're sleeping? There's something appealing to me about the idea of waking up and not knowing what he's done to me. Okay. And that lack of, that complete lack of control and just not knowing. You know what? You try it and you report back to us. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, it's just not not everybody, you know, to each their own. It's just not something that appeals to me. Like I said, although sleep does certainly appeal to me as a tired, tired mom of two. Um, Oh, man. We have to tell that to Mr. Savage. Be like, look, next time you want me, just let me sleep first. <laughs> Do it while I'm sleeping. Mr. Klein and I have an ongoing joke between us where he's like, sex now? No. He's like, well, you can just lie back and think of England. Mm. And I'm like, that, that doesn't do it for me. If he probably, more than likely, if he just said, okay, we're having sex now. And he initiated and started, I probably wouldn't say no. But if he asks me and I'm not in the mood, he would have to force me. And he's not willing to do that, which is one reason why I look elsewhere for that. So to get that need met. Mr. S- Mr. Klein, get with the program, buddy. The physically dominant is just not part of who he is. Well, he's the golden retriever. So what can we expect, right? Yeah. I mean, if you distract him by throwing a stick. I love them to pieces, but there are some ways we are not, we, we are incompatible. It's fine. <laughs> but that is one of the beautiful things about Polly 
is that we can be incompatible in things of that nature and I can still have that need met. Yeah. So I am certainly not going to, to throw stones. I don't think I've ever said no to Mr. Savage. I'm trying to think. He has said he has said no to me more times for sure than I have said no to him because I honestly don't think I've ever said no to him. I I say no a lot more now than I used to, but that is a combination of medications that I I'm on and age and a hysterectomy years and years ago. I mean, there's so my sex drive is not not as high as it was 15 years ago, you know, in my heyday. See, my sex drive was always higher than Mr. Savage's when I was, you know, when we were younger. Now I think it's more equal because I have gotten older and he has gotten, well, like, I don't think his has really changed, but mine has gotten significantly lower since I've had kids. I think it's, again, that lack of sleep is really messing with me. Mr. Klein's sex drive is astronomical. Yeah, we've gone over this a little bit. I don't know how he does it. Well, that's why he needs Polly too, right? Yeah. So it's a win-win situation for, for both of you. How did we get on to tangent of uh, our sex lives? <laughs> Listeners want to know. I mean, uh, mine is considerably more boring than yours. So. <laughs> um, not there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with mine. It's just I I have one partner, and um, we don't have a duffel bag as you do. And you have two kids who probably don't help matters. That's precisely why we don't have a duffel bag, because I've said this before, you know, I'm not I'm a pretty adventurous person, like I'm down for many things, but like I don't have the time to set up equipment. You know, if I have two children, if we're going to do it, we got to get it done immediately because it, it is a, it's taking time bomb. That was the really nice thing with my last MS partner because he had a daughter she was six when we first got together no she was four when we first got together but she lived with her mom Mm. so it didn't really interfere with any of our play plans yeah no it's it's difficult and like I said like the not only but they're also getting into everything so like the last thing I need is for my daughter to like I don't know find a I don't know a whip or something you know like I just I don't need that nonsense in my life did I tell you about my sister and her duffel bag with a knife maybe tell us again it's fine my brother-in-law calls me out of the blue we will text occasionally but usually most of our conversation is relayed through my sister so when he called my thoughts went oh my god somebody died what happened Mm. and he's like I don't have anybody else that I can tell this to who will understand. So I have to, ex- I, I have to tell somebody. I thought, oh my God. And he said, you know, we were in bed and we were getting ready to get to it. And we needed a little bit of extra lubrication. But with our daughter, we can't keep the lube on the nightstand anymore. Because you don't want to have that conversation with an eight-year-old. Yeah. He said, so... It's in a bag by the bed. So my sister was digging around in the bag trying to find the lube. And she pulls out 
a scarf, like a winter scarf. And she pulls out a book. And then she pulls out an eight-inch knife. (laughs) And then she found the lube. And he was like, why would she keep an eight-inch knife by the bed? I said, because she's a psychopath who likes stabby things. You have been married for 15 years. How do you not know her proclivity towards stabby things? But it just cracked me up because funny. I guess my niece never found the loop to ask about it because she would have been put off by the knife. Yeah, smart. No, I don't have any, like I said, I have nothing, nothing exciting. Um, not, not that Mr. Savage isn't exciting, but, you know, maybe when the kids are older, but uh, we're fine. Like we, we, like I said, if it's go time, it's go time. I don't have time to set up. St. Andrew's Cross. I don't have time to set up multiple implements. I just need, I just need like a 20 minute let's go. And then I got to go to sleep. So we will get all our excitement from you. There's a lot that you can do beforehand that he has nothing to do with. That's very little work on your part that will get you ready for when he, for when you are, you have that 20 minutes to get go time. Yeah. It's called reading. I was thinking Benoit balls, but sure, <laughs> books work too. I don't need anything besides books. I think I had that conversation with Corvin. He was reading next to his wife and <laughs> he got excited. And I was like, why do, you, why do you think my husband is all for my little hobby of uh, reading smut and talking about smut on, on a podcast and having a TikTok about smut? I don't need any foreplay. I'm 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 ready to go 95% of the time. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Klein had fun explaining to his friend. We were talking about the, the sound engineer. Mm. And so he calls to get my opinion on the equipment that he had to possibly give me. And he was like, So what are you doing that you need this kind of equipment for? And I said, Oh, I have a podcast. And he said, really? What kind? I said, oh, it's, it's a smut podcast. He goes, excuse me? I said, it's on, on dark romance, smut, sex, all kinds of things. He's like, I'm going to have my wife get in touch with you. Yes, everybody's wife needs to get in touch with us. <laughs> I told you about that couple that listens to us together. Isn't that nice? I know. I think that's wonderful. Hello, couple that listens to us together. I wonder if you ever tied her to the bed and made her listen to us. If you have, sir, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of I told you one of my husband's friends found our my TikTok. Yeah. Um, he my husband recently saw him and he's like, I can't look at your wife's TikTok. Like, I can't do it. So weird. I told him, I was like, look, it's not for you. I promise. Like, I, I know I happened to stumble upon you, your for you page, but you it's not for you, buddy. It's if you are my friend or my husband's friend, not my friend, because I think my friends are fine with this for the like all my lady friends are totally on board. Um, but if you are my husband's friend or my friends significant other this is not for you talking about tiktok i'm going to throw a plug in here Mm. guys i am in desperate need 
of followers on TikTok. If I can get to a thousand followers, Nat and I can do things like have live question and answer sessions. Mm -hmm. But I don't have anywhere near that kind of followers. I think I am sadly under 50 at this point. And I know it's because I don't put out content, but if you follow us on Trigger Warning Romance, go ahead and give me a shout out because that way I can I can get a little bit more participation going. Why don't you tell them what your at is oh, so they know where to follow you? At Tori.Klein, T-O-R-I dot K-L-E-I-N-E. I do have two Trigger Warning Romance accounts. So if anything, I can give you the second account. We can do, you can go live with me on the on the backup. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, but you should follow Tori anyway so that she doesn't have to log into our backup account. Because my backup account is honestly just there for backup. I am working on figuring out a way that I can post my book reviews on TikTok without showing me. Okay. Um, because I have no interest in my face being out there. You can use a filter. There's a filter that's like a cartoon face. Oh, well, I will have to experiment with that. Yeah, it's uh, I know an author. Uh, who's this, the author that that wrote 56 something? Seven Rue. Seven Rue. Seven Rue. Um, she uses like a cartoon because she, she doesn't want her face on it either. So she uses a cartoon. It's like an emoji almost <clears throat> like an avatar. Cool. So you can use that. But I'm going to warn you, you have to be very careful about what you say, because TikTok is very, very sensitive to naughty words. What was the book that Seven Rue read? 56? 56. 56. Oh, God. If you guys haven't read that book. Jesus Christ. I'm... I have not. It's on my you list. <gasps> oh, Tori, you haven't read it. No, so I don't know anything about it besides the title. Okay, so it is about, uh, it's an age gap romance. The hero is 56. The heroine is 18. Ooh. And he is her, like dad's best friend i want i haven't read it in a little while so don't quote me to like the exact specifics but our heroine is a um she has like an only fans kind of situation where she does uh like cam girl things mm -hmm. and she does it with like a ski mask on but he recognizes her by her voice and then they get together. Would that be something that would be appropriate for us to do as an episode? Is it dark? It's uh, it's taboo. I wouldn't say it's dark. Okay. I'll throw it on our list so yeah. that we have it. Yeah, it's, but... it's good. Uh, it, the, the age gap was a little much for me, but it was it was interesting. It was it's hot. It's definitely worth a read. Seven Rue is known for very, very ta like the, the most taboo stuff. That's what I thought. There was yeah. something else of hers. I don't remember the title of it now, though. But I, I read something of hers, and I thought it was good. But I just never went back to her bibliography. She's, um, I've only read a few books of, by her myself. Again, because she's not, I don't consider her a dark romance author. She's just a very taboo author. So if you, in, into, and she writes shorter books. So if you're into, like, kind of like a, 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 a fast burn with lots of smut, that's what she's known for. So she's that, almost like, um, what's that author that everybody loves? I tend to stay away from novellas and fast burn is not my burn of choice. 
So it doesn't quite fit with, with what I usually, usually read. Oh, Jessica Kane is the author I was thinking of. She's like the taboo, taboo version of Jessica Kane. Have you read any Jessica Kane? I have read, I think one, and I don't think I finished it. Yeah, I don't, I don't it think just, you would like, I don't think it's your type of book. No, it seemed well written. It seemed, you know, that it was fine. It just isn't my style. No, because you don't like fast burn novellas, and that's all Jessica Kane is, fast burn novellas. I almost always go for series. I'm starting to get more into the um, standalones a little more now mm. because my my brain has exploded since I had COVID and I have a hard time with my memory. So I might get two books into a series and have to put it down to read something for the podcast. Yeah. At which point I have forgotten the first two books that I have read, <laughs> <laughs> which gets real irritating real fast. I just read a standalone twisted able by tl hodell i don't know if i talked about it on the podcast you have but you but gotta it- read the buchanan brothers series or duology you have to read it you have to have to have to i got you we will re- i think you wanted to read it for the podcast didn't you i did i have a i already have it on our list so the scene in the shower when they don't have sex because she almost passes out. Mm-hmm. Can I just say that how risky that was probably the most risky behavior in that entire book because that man picked her up in a slippery shower. Yeah. You read about that a lot. And yes. I mean, all romance, as we've talked about, all romance have the obligatory shower scene. Mm-hmm. And how often are they picked up and put against that slippery wall to be fucked? Oh my god, I would crack my head open immediately. Oh my god, the baby is I hope sorry guys, the baby is crying. I just realized that the walls are very thin in the hotel that I'm in right now. So I hope my neighbors are having a lovely time. <laughs> you can be like, who is in room fifty-six? <laughs> the girl is talking to herself about some crazy things. Oh, let me give her passy again. I don't know what's wrong with her. Okay. Every freaking time I got to record, that baby is screaming her head off. She needs to go into her own bedroom. Time change is completely messed with this kid. Oh, I imagine. She's not happy. Oh. So, yeah, no, there's always the sex scenes in the shower. And a lot, of, like you said, a lot of times they're picked up and stuff. And we get it. It's fantasy because it's hot to read about. But man is it like every time that happens i'm like oh my god they're gonna fall they're gonna fall nothing comes close to the underwater blowjob by zoe blake (laughs) nothing nothing even touches on that one i don't remember which sweet which book it was it was in the ruthless obsession series was it ivan maybe with sweet savagery yeah it was it was ivan's book god that was hot oh god Oh, Zoe Blake. By the way, Zoe, if you are listening, I had a chance to listen to the episode that you helped with, and I am so happy that you chose to help us. Thank you so much for standing in. Yeah, it was amazing. It was a great episode. I can't believe Zoe Blake talked to me willingly. I didn't have to pair or anything. (laughs) Well, you're awesome, Nat. Everybody should talk to you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. And 
speaking of as a random, random thing, I have a new mafia series for us. Oh, okay. It is the kids of the district. It's an Australian mafia by Nikki Harris. And I have read one out of the five. uh, Oh boy. That one's going on our list because we need to read those. We clearly need more mafia books in our lives. So yeah. Half of our list is mafia. It's fine. We should just change it to mafia romance. uh, And that's it. (laughs) Mafia romance. Because most of of the books that we read are mafia because they happen to be dark, right? A lot of the mafia books are dark. But yeah, I don't I don't know what else to really say about I mean, there's so many hot scenes in this book. I know you said you didn't like that he didn't grow and didn't soften up, but I loved it. I loved a, a super irredeemable hero and he never redeemed himself, which I loved. He never changed himself and he more or less molded her into his perfect mate. I, he said something very interesting to me when because she said, what who do you like? What do you want from a relationship? And he said, I want someone who can't leave. And that's exactly what he did to her. He made sure. And oh, man. And, and the temple uh, when they were at the Met and he was telling her about his family and how horrible his dad was to his mom. And she called him out and was like, well, aren't you doing the same thing? Oh, man. And then he grabbed her by the throat. And he got so pissy about that. Yeah. He said, never compare me to my father i have to say his i don't know if i would call it revenge but the way he dealt with his family situation again it was another brilliant moment yeah the the book was just really well written really really well written there were parts of it that i i didn't care for or that i had mixed feelings for but i have to say it was a brilliant book Mm -hmm. all things considered i would I would recommend this book to any dark romance reader. Definitely. As long as non-con is not an issue for them. No, because like I said, this whole book was non-con. So again, I know you didn't appreciate that to, you know, that he didn't um, ever really let up or anything. But I mean, in a way he kind of did. He compromised. He gave her her phone back. (laughs) Sure, we'll call that a compromise. (laughs) After, After he knocked her up, and she couldn't leave ever, ever again. He gave her her phone back. Easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I love that he didn't give her a choice in anything. Because I love that in my books. He was my perfect hero. He, he just made all the decisions. He is definitely one of the best heroes that we've read. Yeah. I read somewhere I was reading... I guess it was a review on Descent, and they compared Cal to Zaid from Haunting Adeline. Oh. And I thought that was very interesting. I I can't quite wrap my head around the comparison. Okay. But I will say that Zaid is also one of my, one of the best heroes that i have ever read i could see the similarities they were ruthless and they did whatever they needed to do to get the heroin they didn't they didn't care like they didn't have any regrets of doing all these horrible things to to their heroines because in the end that's what got them the heroin yeah 
so because they're they were both like I think he he said like he wasn't sure if he wanted a relationship with her in the beginning, but when he decided that he did want a relationship in the beginning, and he he gave that comparison when he was at the Met about um, how he was born rich, but he like still went after his own fortune like on his own terms. He got a job. He worked worked and paid his way through college. Built his own company up. Yeah, like he took the the difficult way to make his fortune and also to get back at his father because he pretty much worked for his father's company's competitor. Right. Right. And he said, don't get me wrong with somebody else. Like I will put the work in no matter what I have to do. Like I'm not afraid of putting the work in for something I want. And I'm not used to taking the easy way. Um, I'm, I like the difficult way. And I think because she put such a fight up and she made it difficult for him. That was almost her downfall because she made she made herself more interesting to him. Well, he said right away, um, she was like, I could be a gold digger. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, if you were a gold digger, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. So she really wanted to get rid of him. She had an she knew what would turn him off. Yes. But he said something. I wrote the quote down, but I didn't write the page. So. But he says, if you fight me, you will lose. I guarantee it. I will set your whole entire world on fire. I will scorch the earth around anyone you even somewhat love. I will ruin your life and you and all of your loved ones will spend years clawing your way out of the graves I dig for you. And that that just encapsulated Cal for me. For sure. That was him. Um, ruthless and determined. <laughs> And manipulative. And honest. Yeah. In like a weird way, so honest. He never lied to her. No. He was always straight up about his intentions. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. This book was great. If you like non-con and dark romance and a ruthless hero who is irredeemable by every definition. Every this is book. possible standard, he is irredeemable. Yes. But he is funny as fuck while he does it. Yes, I think it's because he's on the spectrum and he just like he's almost like that Zoe Blake hero where they say the most ridiculous things, but they mean it. Yes. When he was making her choose between uh, Milan or Mykonos or something like that. And he was like, just choose. And she's like, are you crazy? I'm not not marrying you. He's like, yeah, you are. And like, if you don't make this decision, I'm just going to end up choosing. And then she chose Mykonos just because, like, she needed to say something. She's like, a very good choice. And he's like, choice? This wasn't a choice. Well, I like when he moves her into the house. He's like, you'll be staying here. Yeah. We tried living apart, and I didn't like that. Yes. Yes. And he means it so entirely sincerely. Mm -hmm. But just that concept was, I just, I found that incredibly entertaining. Yeah. Um, we can probably wrap up. I think we have to. We have no other choice. Uh, we said everything we needed to say anyway. And this is the life of a m- mother. Sorry, guys. Mr. Savage is downstairs and he's busy. So I can't give him the baby. Do you um, want to have a palate cleanser? Um, my palate cleanser is Zoe Blake's new arc that I just got and devoured immediately. I can't um, wait to get my hands on it. It's so good. 
let me give it a shout out because I'm you know you know me I'm I'm real bad at titles, but it's Vicious Games, and it is um, book two of it's the- Roman's book in the Dark Obsession. Roman and Aurora's book. It's book two of Roman and Roman and Aurora, and it's freaking amazing. So, but what did we expect? It's Zoe Blake. Psh, come on, I'm not gonna ruin any spoilers because it's an arc. So, you know Zoe Blake. You know to to go into it with trigger warnings and all that good stuff. But, um, if you like Aurora and Roman in book one, you're gonna love them in book two. Highly recommend. How about you? What are your pilot cleansers? My big palate cleanser is I am on vacation. Yeah, I am halfway between my house and my sister's house, and I will be there for a week and a half. We're going to a gaming convention where I will get to play, do nothing but play role playing games and roll dice for three days, and it will be fabulous. Sounds like fun. You know what we need to do? We need to do that shout out for the Patreon. We do, and we need to read our. Well, why don't we wait and read the review next for week? Next time, yeah. Give me just a second, and I'll get the shout out for you. Yeah, for us, shout out. I feel like our poor patron has waited for a shout out for a while. Well, first of all, I want to say that we did a shout out for "My Name Is Rain" mm-hmm. um, several episodes ago. She was one of our first patrons. Um, she asked that we do her shout out as Zoe. Welcome, Zoe. Thank you so much. So welcome, Zoe. I also want to do a do a shout out to Jessica and to Camille. So we are so appreciative of your all support. And I hope you enjoyed last month's bonus episode. And we're doing two bonus two bonus episodes this time because for for our sinful deviant tier. Because we missed a live last month. So welcome Jessica and Camille. Thanks for being our patrons. Um, Next week, what are we reading, Tori? Next week, we are going for something totally different. Um, We are hitting some of my favorite authors, Caroline Peckham and Suzanne Valenti. And we are doing The Death Club which is book one in the Dead Men Walking duet. It's a menage. Yes. It is totally psycho. I read it when it first came out, and then book two came out, and I haven't read book two yet. I've been saving it. In Matt's terms, I've been edging myself with it Mm -hmm. because I don't want to read it too soon. Well, we are going to... It's going to be fun. Well... Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review if you haven't already. And we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Take care.